0: Hello and welcome to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. I'm your host, Hilary LeBlanc. Welcome to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. I'm your host, Hilary LeBlanc. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing a strategy the community health centers in the Winnipeg region have used to reduce gaps and delays in access to appropriate primary care services. Last winter, Clinic Community Health set up a temporary same-day care clinic to support their clients who otherwise were unable to access primary care and mental health services. They learned a lot through this process and adapted the service over the course of several months. Clinic opened this same-day care clinic with the support and partnership of several community health centers in the Winnipeg region, Manitoba Federation of Labor's Occupational Health Center and Sexuality Education Resource Center, as well as Nine Circles Community Health Center and Women's Health Clinic who are joining me today. Today I am speaking with Aine Wilcox from Clinic Community Health. Mike Payne from Nine Circles Community Health Center, and Kemlin and Namard from Women's Health Clinic Community Health Center. All three of these community health centers provide a wide range of health and social services geared to the diverse needs of individuals, families, and groups in Canada. You can learn more about these CHCs and their specific geographical service area by visiting their websites, displaying on the screen now and in the description. How's everyone doing today? Great. Wonderful, thanks
1: so much for having us. Fabulous.
0: First off, I would like each of you to tell me a bit more about your community health centers, some of the main aspects of your organization, the communities you serve, the services and programs that you provide. And let's start with you. And could you tell me a bit more about clinic community
1: health? I sure can. Thanks so much, Hillary, for having us on today. Um, so Clinic Community Health is one of t- uh, 12 community health centers here in Manitoba. Uh, we're represented by a Manitoba Association of Community Health Centers, member of, of CATCH as well. Um, and as the name implies, each of these centers works at the community level to deliver programs and services. Um, we do that rooted in social justice values in the belief that everyone deserves quality care, support and respect. For us at clinic, um, the kinds of services that we offer are primary care services. We have counseling services, including a wide range of services such as drop-in, short-term family violence, trauma, and sexual assault crisis counseling. Uh, We have 24-7 crisis support lines, including the Manitoba Suicide and Prevention line, uh, the clinic crisis line, and the Manitoba Farm Rural and uh, Northern Support Services line. Uh, We run a mobile Uh, withdrawal uh, community program Uh, we have different programs like life and balance programming such as yoga meditation uh, and we also have education and training for community groups and professionals including a suicide prevention series trauma-informed care and vicarious trauma workshops
0: wonderful mike can you tell me more about uh, nine circles community health Center?
2: Sure. Nine Circles um, really has two main functions, um, one provincial and one in the city of Winnipeg, or or Treaty 1. Within the province of Manitoba, we are a lead community site in the Manitoba HIV program. And so we work with partners um, at the hospital level and in um, primary care partner sites throughout the province. Really to make sure that everyone in Manitoba who's living with HIV has access to the same care, treatment and support, um, no matter where they live in the province. And that's a goal. We've got some work to get there, but, but that's one of our, our main functions here, is to support that process. Directly at Nine Circles, folks who live in the city of Winnipeg or the surrounding area who are living with HIV, um, will access primary care treatment and support here on site um, which means they don't need to go to a specialist in a hospital for their HIV treatment it just happens all here in the community um, and with that we offer additional health promotion and support programs, ranging from outreach workers to help people who need a little more assistance to engage in their primary care, um, mental health therapists, social workers, um, and health promotion and wellness programming, really just to help people live well with HIV. Much of that focusing on how people navigate issues of stigma. Um, and criminalization and and issues that face Manitobans and, and Canadians living with HIV consistently. Additional to that, um, we sit within the downtown Point Douglas area with um, a number of our other community sites um, and really are here to deliver primary care supports to structurally disadvantaged folks who live in the downtown Point Douglas area and who need a a more supportive primary care model um, or for whom more traditional ways of accessing primary care just don't work um so really offering that services to folks who um may struggle to connect in other areas because they're people who use drugs um or they're folks who um work in as sex workers um or they've experienced racism or homophobia or things and other isms in the system that will draw them to a community health model where they get a bit more support
0: can you tell me more about Women's Health
3: Clinic? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've been around, we're a a feminist, pro-choice community health agency here in Winnipeg. We also do primarily work in Winnipeg, but we also have lots of provincial programs. We've been around for 40 years. Um, We offer a wide variety of of services to people of all genders, um, predominantly focusing on sexual and reproductive health. So we provide, you know, client-centered, non-judgmental, like fully confidential health and wellness services. Uh, Some of the programs that we have include, so the only community uh, abortion clinic in the province, um, and that's both surgical and medication abortion. We also have the only community birth center in the province. Um, And it's actually, I think the first, Birth center community birth center outs like outside of a hospital across the country I don't know if there's i don't know if there are other ones actually, but I know we were the first uh, we also have a provincial eating disorder prevention and recovery program uh, which is for people of all genders who really want for people who really want to <clears throat> you know improve their relationship with their bodies and food we have um things like sexual reproductive health care, so including providing SCI testing, birth control, Pap tests and all that stuff. We also have counseling services for teens and adults, which are free. Um, We also provide other maternal and, you know, parental supports. Then uh, we also do advocacy on on uh, <clears throat> um, women's health issues. We do have some primary care, uh, but very small, like specific primary care. Uh, and really our goal is to provide um, predominantly for women, but also for people, you know, um, gender non-binary, like to provide care that is non-judgmental, um, client-centered, feminist and pro-choice, right? So providing people as the, all the information so they can make the choices for themselves, the best choices for themselves about their, their health and wellness. So that's generally what, what we do.
0: That's wonderful. Um, and I'll throw it back to you. Um, can you explain to me how the idea of the same daycare clinic came to be and why you felt it was important to create this um, on last winter?
1: Sure, I can start, and I know that um, Mike and Camila will probably have some some other uh, pieces to add. Um, I think you know the idea around this really came from the Mac table, um, so where the 12 community health agencies uh, sit and, and regularly plan and and uh, try to address issues um, that we see are coming up in our uh, agencies and and in our community. Um, and of course, COVID has been uh, profoundly impactful um for everybody um but particularly we were seeing the impact that that was having in uh uh for creating more barriers uh, for people trying to access care and supports Um, manitoba last october november december was a pretty rough place to be Uh, covid was having a really significant impact Uh, the province went into code red and that meant that a lot of doors were closing to people Uh, it also meant that uh, each i think pretty much every one of our chcs was being asked to participate in redeployment of our staff to support what was happening in the care homes uh, and in the hospitals and the need to add more resources there and so as a group um you know we had been talking about recognizing the need to be able to support the, the system if you will um and and providing some staff to support what was happening in hospitals and care homes um, but we also really needed to double down on what we were able to do in community because um, that first and foremost is is what uh, our folks know best um, and uh, Honestly, it's the way to keep people out of hospital is is taking care of people in community, and that was really important for us. And so we we spoke about collectively across the 12 agencies, how can we do that? And, you know, um, Nine Circles, Women's Health Clinic, uh, we had two other partners, uh, Manitoba Federation of Labor's Occupational Health Center and Sexuality Education Resource Center. Uh, And clinic we're all proximally located in in the downtown point Douglas area and it made sense for us to take a look at how can we scale up. Some of the services that we're doing at the same time as scaling down some of the other ones um, that we needed to to be able to support redeployment efforts and knowing that a lot of the. Um, the clinics uh, in the area had had to close their doors and were exclusively virtual um, and we know that that just doesn't work well for people um, i know at clinic and and i suspect at, at some of the other organizations and um, we had a lot of folks that were coming in the door that were maybe looking for um, harm reduction supplies or looking for some food who might also have been symptomatic right when we we're going through the screening process and and until we we stood up the same- day care clinic we didn't have a good mechanism to be able to actually um, provide more of that wraparound care, which is really kind of fundamental, I think, to, to the model and, and um, who we're trying to be uh, in this space. And so we spoke about how do we share resources? Um, clinic had the opportunity having, you know just in the summer of 2020, moved into this beautiful larger space to be able to host the clinic here, but it was very much a partnership with uh, the four other organizations.
0: So Kevin, I'll ask you, um, from the perspective of Women's Health Clinic, why was it important to uh, get involved and be a part of this same day care clinic?
3: Well, you know, quite honestly, I think Anne said it really, really well. Um, What, you know, basically what we were seeing, because we are right downtown and what we were seeing is just, you know, this like people just not having access to care right Um, and and often people who needed it the most and when I say care I also mean that in in a really broad way so everything from people needing to use the bathroom people needing food people needing water people needing shelter as well as you know people that also needed health care like different health and wellness services and um, like Anne was saying many of the other places where people would go for care were closing their doors right and um, most of us as community health clinics stayed open Um, you know when we look at the numbers from the past year in many cases we were forced to let's say reduce the amount of spots we had in our in our actually physically in the space for for clients to come in and yet over the past year we actually none of our numbers went down in fact they went up they were higher than they were last year right whether it is abortions births birth control like everything across the board we there was more demand and less (laughs) less options for people around right and so ultimately i think that's the reason right we, we we saw this need in the community. and I think, I think it's important to also mention that you know when you're planning, well, it's important to plan as a system in terms of how how to how to um, deal with something like a pandemic, what often get what often happens is that those that that are have the most need, are not part of that planning, right? And so, and the things that, um, the sort of uh, plans that are made don't include, don't include them or aren't accessible to them, right? And so what you find is people that are already marginalized are even more marginalized from the system itself and, and being able to actually cope with the, the situation. And that's exactly what we saw, right? And, and we saw that, People that we serve in our communities were not being served, and were being um, like harmed even more. And so, I think ultimately, this was a way of of being able to pool our resources. So knowing that we, you know, it's not like we had more resources, but pooling our resources to make sure that we can try and provide as as um, as many resources for people who were without, in a in a sort of coordinated way.
0: And uh, Mike, did you want to speak from the perspective of Nine Circles Community Health Center and why it was important to collaborate on this endeavor as well?
2: Yeah, to build off my colleague, I mean, prior to COVID um, in, in Winnipeg and Manitoba, certainly in Winnipeg, um, we already had um, an HIV STBBI um, series of outbreaks. So we were already Um, a bit overwhelmed with what we were seeing happening in our community. Um, Additionally, Manitoba or Winnipeg is really struggling with um, a significant homelessness issue. Um, Much of it being driven through um, the realities of crystal meth, Um, and that was before COVID hit. Um, So as as Kemlin mentioned, aside from um, the fact that services around our area were shutting down to virtual, where so many of the folks that we deliver, folks that we deliver services to um, probably don't have a computer, they may not have a phone. Um, So they were gonna still need in-person engagement. Um, We also had this reality around us of of the need was already not being well met before this happened. And the service volume caps that Kamlin refers to would have you try to reduce, sometimes depending at different stages of COVID, up to 75% of the number of people that would be coming to your space. Uh, so nine circles knew we weren't going to achieve that. Um, we knew that we had a large number of primary care pr- pr- primary care clients um, who were going to need to continue to come um, to the site, maybe less frequently if we could swing that, but but sometimes not even that could we change. Um, and we also knew that um, STDVI testing, um, harm reduction supply distribution, naloxone um, support in particular, because we were seeing a lot of overdoses. Um, needed to be something that we just kept open. Um, And because of that, we were not gonna be able to reach some of those volume targets that were recommended and recommended for really good reasons. Um, So we did realize quickly our STBBI testing service um, was probably vulnerable in that, in order to achieve some reduction, that service may need to slow down. And we were worried about that because of what I already described. And so the opportunity to collaborate Um, with women's and clinic and others, who we know also do amazing work in this area, uh, was really a relief, honestly, because it meant we could easily communicate to folks who normally engage us for their sexual health services, that there was a trusted space where even, People who work at nine circles could be seen there um, that would allow us to continue to operate at nine circles the way we needed to in a low threshold way for those folks who really needed us to keep the door open um, and then redirect those folks who needed less intensive types of supports, um, like the routine STI testing, as an example, over to a shared space so that they wouldn't lose access but we would still be able to find a bit of that safety balance in our COVID response. So um, it was really exciting for that reason. Um, I'll also say from a personal perspective, we've long advocated to our regional and provincial systems um, that one of the reasons why they really need to continue to support and invest in community health centers is our ability to pivot and move when the needs of the community um, evolve. And the larger systems have a harder time doing that, but we've not had many opportunities to prove it because those investments haven't always been forthcoming. And this really was an opportunity for us to show them um, this is what we need, that we can quickly move and adapt our resources and meet the needs of the community, Um, That's why you have community health centers. That's why they should be invested in. Um, And our initiative is one of those. Our sister at Aboriginal Health and Wellness um, initiated a testing site for Indigenous folks um, through a a space called Thunderbird House. Um, Our colleagues at Mount Carmel Community Health Center supported an emergency access housing space. So folks who are homeless or housing insecure who are symptomatic for COVID had a safe place that we could send them to isolate, which is not something that was in place before. So community health centers really during this COVID period have shown truly what a community health model of care is all about and, and we hope and, and think that that might be really useful for us going forward as well. <laughs>
0: I think that that's amazing to see, you know, like the the word community really coming together with all of you guys collaborating and being able to come together um, for the safety of your individual, your groups. Um, I'm curious to hear, that was was a lot of successes. Um, I would love to obviously hear even more successes um, and some of the other challenges as well that came with trying to, you know, have this successful same day care clinic. I'll start with you, Kemlin. Just curious what you think some of the challenges and successes were um, from your perspective.
3: Well, um, I mean, okay, so maybe I'll start with the challenges. So some of the challenges, well, for us more, is just we actually don't have a really big, like a robust primary care um, sort of wing, right? We, we actually have very few doctors, <laughs> very few nurses. Um, and so, like i think being able to support for us you know like being able to support it in a in a really robust way i think we would have liked to be able to do more i think you know but like given that you know the the um the pressures on our on our system already so like I was mentioning you know the amount of birth control that we because uh, we I think we have the only free birth control program in the province and at least in the city and like we always give out you know a hundred thousand dollars worth a year or more usually it went up Right. The amount of like births that we that we had at the birth center this year also went up and the demand for abortions also went up. So across the board where we're looking at, you know, are like the demand for our services was significant, like it was higher. Right. And and then also trying to, you know, dealing with sort of. Some of the other fallout of the the pandemic, so stuff like you know our counseling services and our eating disorder services, you know people were and still are like in terms of mental health in just an, in really a really awful space right, and yet we had to redeploy a bunch of that staff right, and so our wait times went up like I know with our eating disorder, our wait time went up from about a year to two and a half, right? Like significant and and that can have significant, like negative impacts on people's on people's health, right? Like in terms of the outcomes for eating disorders are 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 worse than in in almost any other sort of uh, mental health issue. And so um, you need to actually get to them as soon as possible. So there was that challenge, plus the challenge of being able to actually provide support for the same day clinic, right so there was like these these dueling challenges, you know, and I think across the board all all of us were feeling that, and there was you know obviously no um no extra resources and um and then also, I think working in healthcare all of our staff you know and that was a year ago and and they were exhausted already you know it like now it's it's the level of exhaustion and sort of um you know burnout is is significant but then also you know it just just being able to to serve people um the best that we can and just feeling pulled from all sorts of different ways right i think would probably be the biggest challenge um in terms of some positives you know i i think like mike touched on it right just the ability of of community health to be able to pivot and and the resilience of of like you know our sector right and also our level of partnership right like that um i think you can't You know you can't buy that stuff and you can't you can't over um you really can't oversell how important that is in terms of the level of partnership and collaboration and how you know what an impact that can make both for us as an agency right in terms of being able to work with our partners and we always had a good relationship before but i think this just this um just increase that, but I think also how that impacts our community. Um, To me, those are some of the really big positives that that came out of that.
0: Mike, what about you? What do you think were the uh, bigger successes and challenges that you faced?
2: Yeah, you know, I think rather than challenge, I I do. It's a good opportunity for us to acknowledge we're very honored to work with uh, the kinds of human beings that choose to work in community health and our staff on the front lines. um, When so many people I knew in my family and my social network were isolated at home and figuring out how to work from home, which was not easy, um, we got up and our teams got up every morning and they got in the car or they got on the bus um, with their masks on and, and they made their way in to some very um, confusing and and nebulous spaces where we didn't exactly know what we were dealing with, but we knew that the community was was needing us more than than ever, Um, and we figured that out, sometimes changing where we worked and what we did um, through the process of that. That was not easy, it was challenging, and and so um, it certainly is um, something as we reflect back on that we, we could be very proud of, and proud of the teams that we work with on that. Um, for sure. Um, In terms of the success, I think what we grow from here is exciting to me. Already, um, Nine Circles and Clinic are talking about um, ongoing collaborative opportunities with our STI testing clinics. We're in close proximity. We're both struggling with volumes and resources. There's got to be ways um, to work more collaboratively together, and we're actively looking at those Um, Nine Circles and CERC are looking now at opportunities. PrEP is on the formulary in Manitoba. That probably is surprising for anyone else in Canada to hear that that's new, but that's new here. Um, And so we're looking at how we leverage what we both have um, to make sure people are aware of that and provide access. So this way of working, I think now evolves to become the way that community health centers work in, in Winnipeg now. And I'm excited about that because I think that we can expand our reach um, significantly. Community health centers are always, um, or it seems like we're always at the bottom of the hierarchy when it comes to resource allocation. Um, and Manitoba is in an, an extended period of austerity that, that is gonna be around probably for a little bit longer yet. Um, and so finding ways to do that together are really the best ways to meet the needs of our community. I think this is, driven us and brought some excitement and creativity out in people that, that was there, but maybe this sparked that flame a little bit so that people are really acting on it now. So I, I'm excited about that opportunity that comes out of this, as difficult as it was.
0: And Anne, what would you say to that? What do you think were the uh, successes and challenges that you
1: experienced? Well, I, I don't want to repeat what Kamlin and Mike have both said, but I think um, it is it is incredibly important that we acknowledge all of the staff um, that were involved in all of this. Um, it was an incredibly stressful time uh, for people who were being redeployed, whether they were being redeployed within community, even within clinic, because uh, we had folks who even just you know were, I shouldn't say just, but who were doing one role and we asked them to do another role. Um, and, uh, and, and we're, uh, being redeployed uh, to other organizations, to other completely different settings. And so the anxiety at a time when COVID was completely out of control in our province, um, oh. and we were still very much in a, a learning mode was, uh, really high. And yet, um, the heart of the people who do this work shone oh. through, um, I think uh, and so, for me, that was incredibly um inspiring to watch um and uh and to be a part of i mean we had we had staff coming from nine circles from women's health clinic who were coming with like hardly any notice any time to kind of absorb that uh, and they were coming onto a new site to use you know a similar system but we've got you know we've got different processes in place we've got different people we've they're working in different space um we had a uh, covid assessment clinic here as well so we knew that we had folks who uh, were coming in who were you know we use um green orange and and red uh in terms of the the risk we we knew that we had people coming in we had really good pathways we felt but for people who hadn't been working in that environment i think you know that was that was um pretty pretty anxiety provoking for folks um and they did it and they did it with such incredible heart i think for us at clinic we um, we also kind of reorganized how we do the work so we we had lots of providers um, but we really focused most of the work up front and i haven't figured out like the the right words to describe it but it's kind of that welcoming center somebody comes into our space for whatever it is that they're looking for we've put a lot more resources and thought into that um, as kind of the first point of entry because these were folks who you know never mind service providers were shut down but you know, the the Tim Hortons down the road was shut down. The coffee shop that they could normally go into and sip for coffee when it was getting really, really cold. Um, all yeah. of those places were were closed to them. Uh, so we, we we really wanted to make sure that they were that we were wrapping around care, um, and and helping them with whatever it was that they that they uh, were looking for. Um, so you know whether it was the bathroom or harm reduction supplies, or they needed to see a doctor, or or they needed access to some crisis services or counseling services you know trying to figure out and it could be services that were offered on site at clinic or how do we give them you know a warm handoff or a bridge uh, to somewhere else if that's what they needed and so I think um, that was that was challenging because we were doing that um, we were pivoting very quickly um, and we didn't know how long we were going to be doing this so the other thing for us is uh, we set this up as a seven day clinic Um, seven days a week we weren't previously providing seven days a week service um, and so it was a whole new model for us in terms of having like this generalized walk-in clinic where you actually just don't know what people you know what it is that they're looking for or, or if we're going to be able to support so we set it up as 70 a week we had no idea how long we said we think until the end of january but we just have to see how things play out um, we ended up um scaling back the hours based on the demand over time as you know in the spring things started to to open up a little bit and and um eventually shut it down in june um but you know we we had no idea what the timeline was going to be and we just had to roll with that and and that was challenging um, because we were also still trying to provide all of those other Really Essential services, um, but I for me um, seeing the staff learn from each other because um, that that was one of the uh, additional benefits I think is you know learning how other sites do things um, and just that shared you know oh how oh, you do it this way, oh maybe we should think about doing it and and you could see that on the ground um but i think also as as mike and camron spoke about just just that partnership that we had between the five and then the support of of uh, of the 12 chcs here in manitoba that we could uh, rely on and and um and support uh, collectively was pretty incredible
0: that's great um i will ask the last question um i mean this has been a beautiful snapshot of response of this question but what do you think your individual experiences at your respective community health centers say um for over the past 19 months say about the ability of community health centers to adapt to emerging social and public health issues and the importance of the chc model Um, i'll start with mike since i think that you've already said it quite well earlier but um if you wanted to reiterate your point um, i thought it was great
2: Well, I think I'll say certainly it it's it's emboldened us. It it's made us feel more confident that what we have said um, philosophically about community health centers can be true. That we can do this, and our our collective teams will will embrace it, um, even with some hesitancy sometimes. Um, that this is that so we can mobilize ourselves to move where the community is needed, um, not to negate the challenges that Kemlin rightly brought forward, which is um, there are other services that we deliver that that don't happen when we do that because we are limited in our resources. Um, but it's certainly possible and important for us to be thinking about as new challenges face our our collective communities. Um, I also think that we've learned um it's it's reaffirmed for us unfortunately that um, the larger systems around us um do not plan um with a health equities lens in the way that that we hoped they would be um and we have work now to do um to challenge those systems and try and make sure. Um, that those systems improve that approach, and that we get to those tables more quickly where those planning, where that planning is happening. Um, and we've learned as well that I think we can do more to build our relationships um, downstream from some of those larger health systems. Um, Where we were looked to as a resource as community community health centers were from drop in centers and shelters um, and the local places, because as they were having to shut down, community health centers were also finding themselves being the community bathroom and the place to warm up and the the place to get things that we weren't necessarily designed to be. And so we did a lot of work reaching out to those traditional folks who did that to say, this is what we're hearing from the healthcare system that tells us we can do this safely. They weren't getting that information. And so we could pass that on and grow the network response um, beyond the healthcare system into a broader social service system um, that would maybe otherwise not maybe have been quite as quick to feel confident to open up their doors to certain things. And so I think we've learned a lot about our place in the system and how we can be um, stronger allies and more helpful um, in in ways that we hadn't thought of before. So lots of wonderful things um, that stress us out in terms of resources, um, but are are motivating in terms of our our vision as community health.
0: What about you, Kamlin?
3: Yeah. I think Mike touched on a lot of the things that, but I think one of the things that it's this experience and just the pandemic, like the experience in the pandemic and looking at how um, CHAs in general have pivoted and responded to the needs in community. Um, I have often thought, <laughs> to be completely honest, I've often thought that this is the model that we should be providing primary care through for our communities right because often with community health clinics it's a much more um holistic uh sort of approach to to primary care that really generally speaking treats people as whole individuals right which then provides much better health outcomes right and has um such a an important impact, not only on the individual, but on your general community, because individuals are doing better in their community, right? And, and I think in many ways, this kind of demonstrated that in lots of ways in terms of how we as, as a community, so not just individual CHCs, but as a community of CHC, CHCs, then use that same model, right? and work together to kind of provide it in a broader sense, right? And I think um, especially, you know, um, as as one of the things Mike pointed out is, you know, around health equity, even more so, I think than just just the general population, but I think in terms of from, an, from a health equity perspective, chcs really do because we are um, connected to community whatever that community is so in some cases it could be a geographic community in some cases it could be a population or populations right um, but we are connected to community in a, in a much more organic and and a strong way and i think because of that it means that that we can serve the community much better and the individuals and community much better and so yeah like i think to me um one of the outcomes i would love to see from this i'm not sure if that's going to happen is that that things like this which i'm sure there are examples across the country of other things like this throughout the pandemic will demonstrate for both provincial and federal and even municipal governments that this is a model to invest in right that um as part of, you know, building a broader social service system itself, right? So you invest in housing, you invest, you know, in, um, let's say, you know, harm reduction, but you, you also invest in community health, right, as part of that whole broader system. So,
1: yeah. And Anne,
0: what about you?
1: I don't know that there is anything I can add. I think Mike and Kemlin said it so beautifully. I mean, the the value of the work that happens on the ground in community health centers is incredibly essential um, to overall health of the community and i think um, there absolutely is a need for us to do i think a better job of of um sharing those stories with people um, so i think that's one of the reasons we're so pleased to be able to have an opportunity to chat with you today hillary um, so that we can be advocating for more resources and and to be at the table where it makes sense in terms of helping to support because um, because we need to make sure that that community voice is there.
0: Wonderful. I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, This was a very wonderful and rich conversation. It's nice to have um, hearing some of the inspiring stories of what CHCs are doing and what the model is capable of. Um, I will ask all three of you just to quickly shout out your um, websites or Instagram or Twitter links where they can find more out um, and any of our listeners, they can find out more about your community health centers. Um, Mike, if you would like to go first.
2: Here you can learn more about Nine Circles Community Health Center and you can find all of our our handles, social media and otherwise through www.ninecircles.com
3: yeah, you can find out everything, including all of our social media handles at our website at www.womenshealthclinic.org. So all one word, no apostrophes.
1: Awesome. And Ian? Thanks. Yep. So same for us. Uh, everything's on our website and we're a clinic with a K, K-L-I-N-I-C.mb.ca. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank Thank
0: you. you. Thank you for listening to Community Matters, a podcast from the Canadian Association of Community Health Centres. To learn more about our association and the important work of community health centres across Canada, go to www.cachc.ca.